0: Welcome back to Sustainably Influenced, the podcast guiding you through the minefield of sustainability
1: with your hosts, Charlotte Williams and Bianca Fode. Welcome back to another episode of Sustainably Influenced. Woo! (laughs) It is making me laugh how often now it's become just part of the intro that we just start singing and whooping. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we do. (laughs) In today's episode, we're going to be discussing... Gen Z, something that I can't really relate to, but Gen Z and resale and fashion resale. So can wearing other people's old clothes actually be cool is a kind of a question that I'm going to be asking throughout this episode. Yes,
0: depending on who the person is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you could see Charlotte's face, the face she just gave me was like, (laughs) of course it can. Absolutely is where I'm going. And according to Gen Z, who have taken over the resale shopping market, One stat that I'm going to jump straight off the bat with is at least one in three Gen Z consumers are expected to buy secondhand clothing, shoes or accessories this year alone. A 46% growth from 2017. Now that stat is based from an article taken from 2019. So I can imagine that's grown quite significantly in two years. Three years. Three years now. Mm -hmm. I had to think. I was like, again, I don't know what's (laughs) wrong with me. I keep forgetting what year it is. This happened before. so today's article is entitled why gen z loves the resale shopping market and it was published on gen z insights presented by uni days and it was published in july 2019 so can wearing other people's old clothes actually be cool you said yes straight off the bat
0: yeah so i think the answer is yes and as soon as she said that... So I follow this girl on TikTok, and annoyingly I cannot remember her name, and I will find her. I find TikTok quite difficult to find people that yeah. you... Because I follow quite a lot of people now. But she's this American girl. I think she lives in LA, and she basically wears all of her grandma's old clothes. And yesterday I saw a video, and she was wearing like... Is that
1: not me? Yeah. I wear my mum's stuff. <laughs>
0: but she was wearing like this like Chanel dress with a Chanel cardigan that was her grandma's. And she does like these hauls of going to wherever her grandma lives, bringing them back, and then... Dressing head to toe in like these incredible outfits like Prada shoes. It's just lucky that she actually is the the same same size. size. I will put her TikTok in the show notes because I can't remember. But she has made dressing like someone's grandma super cool. My grandma doesn't have anything for me to dress like that. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. See,
1: I'm lucky because I've always, always worn my mum's stuff. Even since I was a teenager, Mm. I've always liked my mum's style. And my mum is a grandma as well, and she's grandma age. So I can say dressing like my non-grandma, grandma, grandma, (laughs) mum is is cool. But she's got a great wardrobe of stuff. For those of you who don't know, because I was still a little bit unsure about this up until recently, do you know who Gen Z is, what they are, like what the definition is, I'd say?
0: Yeah. So we have different terms, different names for different age groups. So Gen Z are, they're they're really young now. It's From today, they'd be like 9 to 24?
1: Yeah, 24, 25. Oh my God. (laughs) Our producer has just told us that she's Gen Z.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Get out. (laughs) We are... We
1: love you, but no. We are most
0: definitely not. (laughs) My sister's 25 and she's on the cusp of Gen Z millennial, but she is more towards millennial in her mindset than Gen Z.
1: So it's anybody that's been born in the past two decades or after the year 1997 is a Gen Z. So if you're born after 1997, that's you.
0: And then we are millennials. Yes. So we are young millennials.
1: Mid-aged millennials.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. We're middle-aged millennials. Yeah, especially me. (laughs) Where were you born? Nineteen ninety. Mm, yeah, you're not
1: even the same decade as me, hon.
0: Oh, <laughs> to be you, Aldi. And then our parents will be Gen Xers or baby boomers. Yeah, generally the boomers are the oldies. Millennials are the good people. Gen Zers <laughs> are just mine. They're the TikTokers.
1: And then after that, a generation alpha. Oh, okay. There's so many different yeah. ones that you can get confused quite easily. So. I, do, I, I
0: don't, I don't, I'm not here for it. It's just like mum, me. <laughs> yeah, mum and dad, grandparents. I think they're Gen Y. And then there's no, us. No, they're Gen, we're Gen Y. I know, we're Gen Y. Do you know what? I don't care. <laughs> it's my, my grandparents, my parents, me. Today
1: we're my talking. My siblings and then my nieces. Yeah, and all we, know, we need to talk about today is Gendered. our group versus Gen Z and that's it everybody else we don't really care so much so anyway let's get back on track Gen Z aren't just buying used clothing they're purging their closets and putting price tags on whatever they don't deem valuable to them anymore Mm -hmm. so some financially savvy teens are even getting rich selling their pre-worn clothes online oh my god yeah
0: yeah do you remember when we went to that event and we were asking people what they do Mm -hmm. and one of the girls was like oh yeah I'm a depop seller and I was like oh is that your job and she was like yeah
1: And the way that we said it made us sound like our (laughs) mums when they said, so you want to be a a content creator? Yeah, that's my job. Yeah, we were (laughs) like, okay, cool. It's interesting though because I think I've always, and I think I can relate to Gen Z in this way. (laughs) That was a big term for me to just say just then. But I've always grown up selling online. I've Mm. always had a seller's mentality. So if I wanted more money to buy clothes when I was younger, I'd sell stuff on eBay Yeah, because... I didn't want to have to ask. So I would sell stuff, get the money and buy other things that I wanted, even though I I could have asked. I just wanted to have it for myself. Yeah. A little bit overambitious from the age of what 12. (laughs) Um, But so many of these teens are selling things on sites like Poshmark, which is like the American equivalent of Depop. You've got Depop as well, as we mentioned, and StockX. Demand for secondhand is wild and it's being driven by young shoppers. It's expected to push the retail sector to $51 billion by next year. Wow. That's a lot of that money. That is a lot. That's a huge market. Mm. Recommerce is something that we were talking about offline. Yeah. So re-commerce is, in my personal belief, is a channel that all retailers and brands should really, really be looking at. And whether it's big name brands, small name brands, whether you're online only or whether you're traditional bricks and mortar, you need to look at bringing in re-commerce and offering that option for your consumer to then resell with you.
0: So just to explain, e-commerce, it's a general term that can also mean reselling. But in this context, we're talking about it as, I'm going to take it from Wikipedia, re commerce or reverse commerce is selling of previously owned new or used products, mainly electronic devices or media, such as books, blah, blah, blah. But we also see it for fashion brands reselling vintage or previously owned pieces. Like, as an example... Caring, who own Gucci and pretty much like half Half of the luxury brands, they have invested in Bestia Collective because they can see that the resale market is really important and it's growing, but it's the idea of we sell a product and we can resell it back to the the audience or to the customer because they're trying to get into this second-hand market situation.
1: Yeah, because my understanding is that it's resale for brands. But then there is another side of it where it can be done. But to me, it's just resale. Yeah, I think <laughs> done done on a, like a more peer to peer level. And to me, if I was looking at that, I would say there's resale and e-commerce. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think we'll see that soon, where it will be like resale, e-commerce. Because I don't think the industry has evolved yet. So the terminology, I think we'll probably be getting ahead. Yeah,
1: we're, we're ahead of what terminology will be. Yeah, definitely. So let's get back into today's article. So taken from a study that was done by Gen Z Insights, one of the stats that I found really interesting was this one. So at least 50% of all respondents to the survey across generations prefer the resale re-commerce market for a combination of reasons indicating a concern for the planet and a preference for sustainability and circular shopping. Now this is where it gets interesting affordability is more important to Gen Z. Mm. So with nearly 30% preferring to shop e commerce based on price alone. Do
0: you know what? I was talking about this yesterday. It was about something specific. And I was like, if you get it secondhand or refurbished, it's so much cheaper. I can't remember what it was. was It's so much cheaper. And I was like, this is where sustainability comes to mainstream because, yeah, it's good to save the planet, but also it's good to save cash. And I imagine Gen Z... We spoke in a couple of episodes ago about how they're wearing like designer clothes and doing all this stuff, but they can't actually afford it, so they're going to be buying a lot of stuff secondhand. So it's a way for them to be who they want to be, but at the price that they can make it. So how much do we actually think it is about the planet and more about cost?
1: This is something that I have an issue with. When everybody says, oh, Gen Z are way more sustainable, their mindset is more sustainable than other generations I don't personally think it is I do think it is that thing where they want to dress or jump on every trend as you said Mm. and they want to aspire to be a certain way for me that's not that's not sustainability if you're jumping on it just because it's cheaper yes it's more sustainable Mm. but you're doing it as like a sustainability is a byproduct of the fact that you want to consume which isn't it's not not a bad bad thing thing. it's not a bad thing at all but yeah so I do think affordability, and that's one of the notes that I've made here, that buying secondhand makes items affordable for Gen Z. So around 25% of them say so that they're, they're saving up to buy a luxury item right now. Mm. So if you're saving up to buy one luxury item that's going to cost way more than shopping at the likes of Shein, PLT, and all the likes of fast fashion brands, mm. you're going to have one item that you've saved for, you're going to keep it longer, and you're going to treasure it, and you're going to value it. And then most likely, if you've bought something that is of quote-unquote cult status you're going to be able to resell it yeah so to then get the money back in and then add that value into something else and I think that's more what it is it's resell and consuming second hand it's almost a viable business it's a business decision I think for Gen Z and they're way more savvy with their money than our generation is oh my god yeah there's like
0: (laughs) the fact that they don't need to leave their house to
1: Make money. Blows my mind. Love it. Love it. And that's why I say that sometimes I can I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be as cool and as savvy as Gen Z. Getting back onto what we were talking about and talking about secondhand shopping, at least one in three Gen Z consumers are expected to buy secondhand clothing, shoes or accessories this year alone, a 46% growth from 2017, which I mentioned at the start, but I wanted to bring it up again because this is data taken from 2019. For me, I know that it's growing and I know that, I think, what is it, 25 times more, the growth of the secondhand or the resale market? or I think the secondhand market altogether is growing 25 times faster than Mm. what they could have projected or than fast fashion. So I wanted us to kind of discuss where you think the secondhand market, without looking at any data, without anything, just our own personal opinions, Where do you think the second-hand and resale market will be in five years' time? Well, I
0: think it's going to be quite far because we've seen so much growth.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: We've got a whole generation backing it who are, as we've already spoken about in previous episodes, they have the money, they're spending. I don't know how, but they're spending. The purchase power is there. But also we're seeing... Investments happening, so we're seeing things like caring investing a collective. We're seeing people like buy rotation being raising, so that so they raised three million dollars last week. But they've also added a resale part to their platform.
1: So it's not just rental now; it's, it's resale. resale.
0: So I think we're in. I don't know number wise. I can't predict any numbers, but I see nothing but growth and more than growth I think it's going to boom I think secondhand and also things like look at Chanel raising their prices and no one's really unless you're super super minted going to be buying like no like normal people are going to be buying a Chanel bag but
1: we are not seeing a decline in people buying buying secondhand secondhand Chanel bags and I love how that's remarketed to be pre-loved yeah as well that's another one that gets me I'm like oh it's it's got such a nice a nice connotation there. You know. But one stat that I did want to mention off the back of what you've just said because it falls in line exactly with what all the studies are saying. So the thirty billion dollar secondhand market is expected to grow 18% annually through the next two years. That's wild. In the next sort of three, four years. I just think it's gonna be amazing. And I for me, I love secondhand. I love buying I buy a lot of stuff secondhand mm. or my Vestiaire Collective watch list. <laughs> The notifications that pop up on a daily basis really? is wild, yeah. I've got so many pieces that I'm watching. And I was like, I'm looking at a pair of shoes for your wedding as well. Ooh, Yeah, saw a nice piece Can of... Can you find me a pair of shoes because <laughs> I still don't have any? <laughs> you need to have little feet like me. I couldn't find most things in my size because uh. I've got children's size feet. So I've got loads of things on there and I just think to myself, if I'm a consumer, I always put myself into anything that we're talking about because I have to think about it from my own point of view. Mm. If me as a consumer, I've been shopping secondhand since I was about 16, 17. I do buy a lot of things new, or I did buy a lot of things new. I barely shop now. But my first point of call now is to look secondhand first. Mm. And I think that that is something that is happening across the board. So many more people are looking to consume... Pre loved, second hand, rental, and before looking to buy something new. Yeah. And I think it is coming from a need of, from a place, sorry, of more like financial instability as do well. Do you know what?
0: I think I said this to, literally, to my partner yesterday. He was like, You have so much designer stuff. And I was like, I do, but it's all second hand. And he was like, Yeah, sustainability. And I was like, To be honest, I don't like paying full price for things. Yeah. And if someone... Like, I have three pairs of Jimmy Choo's. Two of them I bought recently off of eBay for a steal. The two of them together were half the price of one pair of shoes. New at Jimmy Choo. And they'd only been worn. One of them hasn't ever been worn. And the other pair probably been worn once or twice. I could see there was just a bit of Mm -hmm. scuffing on the sole. But the heel was perfect. And... This is a bit of a long way of me saying I am cheap and also can't <laughs> afford to buy lots of things I want, but I like really nice things. Yeah. So I will. I am very much in that Gen Z bracket of buying secondhand designer because I want it. I want to be wearing it, but I don't have the money to actually buy it.
1: I've got a really, really good way of describing that mm. champagne lifestyle lemonade budget. Yeah, that is me straight through and through. That's how I I know that I'm cheap and I like to buy nice things in the same way as you do. But I don't want to pay full price for them. So second hand is how I've always managed to consume. Sam
0: Pellegrino, <laughs> girls.
1: <laughs> New podcast name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to be speaking with Connor Hill. Connor is the founder of Inspire Circular. He spent over ten years developing and delivering circular strategies at Adidas, John Lewis, and M&S. Today, he advises and inspires brands and individuals on how they can start and accelerate their journeys towards circularity. Connor is currently the program lead at the University of Cambridge for the Circular and Sustainability Strategies Executive Leadership Course. This year, Connor will launch a new Inspire Circular six-week online course in partnership with the brands and startups to make circularity a reality. So, Connor, thank you so much for joining me. Could you tell us a little bit about what it is that you actually do? Because you do a lot.
2: (laughs) Thanks for inviting me here today. So my expert area is all around the circular economy. And I've probably spent around 10 plus years in this space working with different uh, retailers, so Marks and Spencers, then moved to Adidas in the sportswear space, and then a bit of time with John Lewis. And then over the last year and a half, two years or so, Um, I've really been helping individuals and businesses start their circular journey. Now, a lot of people are like, where's the start? Do we start with design, resale, recycling? There's so many areas you can start. So I just really make it digestible for brands to work out where's that sweet spot for them to start. And then we start to work through the other areas bit by bit. So that's sort of one area, our consulting, advising. And then our other area is much more around Inspire. So the other part of our business is called Inspire Circular. So we'll release a course in the next couple of months. And that's all about, there's no need for all of us sustainability experts to have this knowledge in our heads. We know the clock is ticking, so we need to get that knowledge out there as much as possible. So I really want to create a course so I can do that. And then I also work with Cambridge University um, as one of their program leaders for the Circular Economy and Sustainability Strategies executive courses.
1: So the reason why I wanted to get you on the podcast, we met at a panel talk that we were both... On, we were both on the panel for Circular, which is a circular beauty company and zero waste, I should say, as well. But the reason why I wanted to get you on here is because I remember when we were on the panel, you were talking about a lot of things, and I sat there completely aghast with my mouth, like my mouth wide open, just like, he's so knowledgeable. He'd be such a great guest. Because I think you can, you do make things easy, you make things very understandable for people, and it is quite a difficult topic to speak about. So that's why I thought, and especially because you're teaching. This course, you understand consumers in a very different way. So I thought you'd be a great guest to have on the podcast, so we can talk all about the wonderful Gen Z consumer. Nothing that I know about because they're much younger
2: than I am. So what would have, you say? I'm in the same camp. So we'll wow. try and uh, we'll be, we're non natives, but we'll try and talk about them. And yeah, As, exactly.
1: as we can. So what would you actually say? not from a millennial point of view, just generally speaking, what would you say are the biggest influences on the Gen Z consumer?
2: It's massively social media. There's nothing that comes close. I mean, half of the big fast fashion brands don't have one single store. And most of that traffic that goes to their website is coming through influencers and social media. So that is just something that is incredibly disruptive, incredibly influential, um, and it's a huge, huge engine that feeds a big, big beast of certain parts of fast fashion. I don't necessarily blame the consumer because the marketing is done in a very, very good way. It's very slick. It makes you look and feel incredible. All of these things, classic consumer marketing elements. Are just every single minute of every single day, there's a new product, a new look uh, shot in a beautiful way in this beautiful location. Um, And of course, like people aspire to have that what they think is a lifestyle and image and they want to look that certain way. So I really don't blame the consumer at all. But that change is definitely down to social media and how long all of us spend on it every single day. Um, no wonder we're, I'm not going to quite say brainwashed, but no wonder we're so heavily influenced around this difference of, you know, we consume food, but today we also consume fashion, which is just like ridiculous. But that's because the marketing machine is working at the level it is at that consistency. And also the cost of fashion and other elements are so cheap now and so affordable and so accessible. It means we can consume fashion as if it is food, which is really, really scary which we can go into loads of details around the emotional attachment. Is it there or is it not? How do we value these things from the past to today? Social media is the big engine.
1: What you said there has really just resonated with me. The fact that we can consume fashion the same way that we consume food is mind-blowing. It really is when you think about exactly what that means. We're in quite a grave situation, really, when you think about it. It's bizarre to think that we now consume in that kind of way. Do you think there's any similarities between our group, so the millennial shoppers, and Gen Z when it comes to making those sustainable choices and swaps?
2: So I think one thing I'd say is it's sustainability traits, trends, values, and things. They don't really have like an age, a race, religion, a geography. So I really struggle with that question because my granny is probably the most sustainable, most circular, most regenerative person I know. But then you can also have the most, you know, Greta Thunberg or the ten-year-old or someone who's in nursery who's super sustainable. So I kind of struggle with that question a little bit because it's really hard for me to say all Gen Zs are fast fashion addicts. That's completely not true. So it's difficult to put percentages to things, but I would say that Gen Z are probably leading in terms of sustainability for many things. And you can look at that from different angles. You can look at that. You know, purchasing a house is going to be potentially just not affordable for many of them, the generation rent. So they are investing in different things, whether it be their entrepreneurial businesses around sustainability. So they spend their money in a very different way than millennials. And I think that's something that we need to be aware of. They're a lot smarter with their money whether than millennials who buy fast cars and big watches or they aspire to have those. Whereas a lot of Gen Zs are actually more conscious around what they're consuming. And maybe if they have bought something, they also buy with intent that they might sell it on as well. Go into that resale market that we're sort of thinking about and starting to talk about. So I think Gen Z is more clued on. They're more smart. They're more savvy with their money and their products. But there is that group, which is the one that is driving Shein and Boohoo and like all of these sort of companies, which have really, really challenging ethics behind them. I think you're right that the
1: millennial generation do spend in a very, very different way. And I've noticed it across, I look at my younger cousins or I look at my stepdaughter and how they spend money. It is more considered, but I've noticed, I don't know if this is just me, but I feel like they'll spend more on items. Whereas I was brought up where you have to look at the value of something and you kind of assign a value to it even though there's a monetary value there you have to weigh up and have like this judgment call before I spend money on something but I think maybe that's just my upbringing but I look at how my stepdaughter spends and she's willing to spend more money on a single item but she buys it with the intention that she wants to keep it for longer and I'm just like wow the fact that she can make that choice at the age of like 14 15 just shows me how advanced they are and what a different kind of shopper they are
2: yeah, absolutely. It makes sense to invest in good pieces because younger people, again, smarter with their money. They see them as assets. Whether it be you know an overcoat or a nice winter jumper, like these things are like assets, staples in your wardrobe that you want to have the good quality, good brand. Either because you're gonna wear it for a long time, you might sell it on a Depop, something like that. You might put it on a loan hood and rent it out to someone else. They're like savvy with their things, and they know that. If it's not from a certain brand, then it's not gonna have that certain resale value or people won't search for it because it isn't a brand. Equally, if it's something that's gonna fall apart or it's gonna get holes or whatever else, then they're gonna think, oh, I need to invest in repairing that. Some people will buy things because they want them, And that generally due to pools or for marketing influence side of things, or people buy because they need it and love it. Then that's someone that's really investing in something that's quality and something they're gonna have for a long, long time. And I really like challenge everyone to think before you purchase anything, really think, do I absolutely need this? Is there something in my wardrobe that's similar? Do I really, really need it? And if I do need it, do I need to buy it new? And equally even if you do really need it do you love it like are you going to look after are you going to care for it and all those things so I think there's again there's that blend it's not necessarily gen z or millennials it's really individuals and where are they are inspired by and I think that's where going off topic slightly but I think that's where like things like Netflix has been incredible five years ago you had to watch David Attenborough to be inspired by these topics which done an incredible job talk about nature and always at the end had that really good segment of how humans are really tearing up the planet. But now, you—you you know if you're a fan of Leonardo DiCaprio, Zac Efron, Billie Eilish, whoever is your idol, whoever you look up to, they've created an incredible documentary about why sustainability, why circular economy, why nature, biodiversity is important to them. And I think that's been the real big game changer For people like, okay, this is why I personally care about sustainability. This is why I'm personally going to change my habits. And it doesn't matter if you're a 15-year-old or 35-year-old. So I think those are some of the big levers that you don't have to read an academic journal to learn about the impact of this product versus that one. You can just turn on Netflix.
1: It's really, really incredible. I like the fact that you raise that because I always thought that whenever I used to watch the David Attenborough documentaries and I was always the first person probably sitting there waiting but you'd watch all the beautiful imagery and the videography and it's just the most stunning thing to watch and then at the end by the way humans you're all rubbish It was my favorite bit at the end I was like yep tell us tell us all how rubbish we are thank you it is amazing to see that now an everyday household name these celebrities these idols whoever your idol is they do have say on it. And these are things that they are also passionate about. We're not just told that they're celebrities and that they're clothes horses or whatever. These people also want to make a difference. So the fact that they're also being given that platform and using the fact that they're celebrity to then further that cause, I'm all for it. Moving on a little bit, but how has social media been that kind of driving force in changing consumer, I want to say, behavior across different generations? Not necessarily consumer groups but more the generational change is what I'm interested in and more specifically how does that then apply to things like secondhand shopping and resale?
2: So social media is amazing for so many reasons social media makes things accessible definitely it doesn't put things on this like pedestal or whatever else the rougher the edges around it the more humble the more trusting you are of that individual the more likely you connect to them and yeah. the more likely you need to be educated by them. And you know, there's that sort of behavior change part. You need to be inspired, first of all, and then you get educated, you build your awareness, and then that enables the change of behavior to happen. So I think that social media is amazing for all of those things, because if I watch a corporate video, whether it be on sustainability or anything else, I'm always going to be like, oh, God, this is just there to drive sales in some way. Social media has got some really good, very non-biased people who will give their very honest opinion on certain things, and you get some truth. The other side of it, so if we think about social media, you know, the majority of the people in the world now have a phone, and that means that transparency and traceability can be questioned in a way that, you know, it probably wasn't that not that long ago. People can take photos and factories and videos. They can take pictures of their paychecks, all of these sorts of things. So social media is going to be really, really exciting over the next couple of years as consumers have that, they're inspired, they have their awareness, they're starting to ask brands more and more questions of where did this come from, who made it, give me the evidence, not just a certificate. So I think that social media will get really exciting over the next couple, even just months and weeks, because it can really be that source of truth of what's happening live around the world. So I think social media is going to continue to be a huge, huge lever, which will drive consumers to really vote with their money that they spend. And they're going to move to different brands if the big brands don't share what they're doing uh, transparently, um, ethically, all of that sort of stuff. So I think social media does have a big role to play if brands really want to be authentic going forward.
1: I totally agree. And with regards to resale, how do you think that that will social media will help lead more consumers in that sort of direction.
2: Resale is not going to go away. It's growing 25 times faster than traditional retail. Half of the parents out there just now are looking at resale before they're looking at buying new. These aren't things that are going to change and flip overnight. If anything, the way that inflation is going just now, people are going to go more and more to resale because people don't want squeaky clean new anymore. They're actually happy with secondhand. It does the job and they're, they're fine with that discount and all that sort of stuff. So I think the more that we can share, like the clothes that I'm wearing today are mostly vintage, but I like them because they've got a bit of a story to them. They're probably even better quality than most of the stuff you'd buy in the high street. I like that it's five years or 10 years old. Some designer made it for that moment in time, but it's still absolutely good for me just now. It's my style. I'm not following trends and stuff necessarily. So I think the more that influencers can share that here, this isn't the latest collection from this particular place. It's actually something that's five years, 10 years, 20 years old. So I think that certain influencers have a huge, huge role to play there to not keep encouraging people to buy new, buy new all this time and, and feed this big monster of consumerism. Like that is where big brands are today. Lots of them are now pivoting into resale, which is absolutely amazing. So if you make a good quality product, you're going to have a resale market. If you make a product that's you know going to fall apart, you're not going to have a resale market. So I think brands are really starting to see that and the big brands are starting to win. So you'll see that coming through on social media more and more. It will be a lot slower. And it's not just fashion, it's technology as well. Getting the refurbished iPhone, the refurbished laptop, renting a projector to have your friends round for a weekend to watch the rugby or whatever it might be like. We don't need new things all the time. And resale is an amazing, amazing space to be in, as well as rental and all these other areas. Uh, And that's really going to help us to reduce our resource use, increase utilisation of the things we already have in existence. And social media is going to be a huge element in that.
1: That's amazing. And I think all the points that you raised there are so profound. And I'm looking forward almost to seeing what comes next and how we change almost out of sheer necessity. I feel like that's what's going to drive a lot of change for me personally. And I think, as you said, people can't keep up with the rate of inflation. So when you look at what you're earning and what the cost of living is, you have to make some changes. And if it is in how you consume specific products, whether it be fashion, whether it be tech, it's going to be a change. And there's going to be a very necessary change that will come sheerly out of financial desperation, I think, essentially. With that in mind, where do you think the next kind of generation of consumers will be and what it is that they want from brands? So I know sustainability is big right now and sustainability is important to the consumer nowadays. But what do you think going forward is going to be? the driving force.
2: I think the circular economy is going to be huge. For some of the reasons we've already talked about, like individuals, whether it be Gen Z, millennial, any age, you know, they want to buy quality products now. If it's something they're going to use frequently, if it's something they're going to use for one weekend and whatever else, they'll look at different rental models and stuff like that. Or they just go for the cheap. It's going to use that for that one weekend and job done. But when they really want to invest in longer term pieces, they're going to use more frequently, they're going to look at quality products. So that means that certain brands that can really hold those values and prove that through durability by third-party testing, those brands will start to win. Now, again, like going back to, I think you said your niece, who like shops very differently. Again, they're going to be investing in those better quality things if they know that that brand also has like a one-click button that allows them to resell that product back to them, whether it be a more expensive thing like a Burberry thing or like an M&S piece Whatever it might be, if brands enable the consumer to go into their order history and do one click and they sell it back, then that's going to make the whole circular system really, really seamless. Again, if there's a one click rent, a one click repair, all of those sort of things will be part of the new way of going forward. So I think that's definitely way that not only the fashion space is going, but electronics, home goods, all of that space is moving to this more circular model. And equally, part of that will be the legislation that comes as well. And that will also force the industry to move because you have the right to repair, you have extended producer responsibility legislation It's going to move into the fashion space as well. So you've got all of this coming and that's really going to push the laggards forward as well and really encourage them that, you know, you need to be making products out of recycled materials or regenerative, offering these additional services and taking responsibility for the product at the end of its life. All of that goes really against a lot of the traditional linear model of retail, but that is where we need to get to. Consumers are driving it. A lot of brands are starting to leave in the space and legislation is going to catch out the laggards at the very end, or those brands simply will not be relevant in the future.
1: I think you've hit the nail on the head with that very last point, relevance. Brand relevance is something that they're all very concerned about and they want to have that longevity and be able to last the test of time and they won't be able to if they don't factor these things in. And you and I share that common belief there that if you make things accessible to the consumer, they will use them. If you tell somebody that you offer a repair service or a buyback scheme or some sort of recycling service, I know me as a consumer, I will jump on it. And the fact that it's now becoming more available across different sectors and different brands, like you said, homewares, furniture, things like that is coming People are starting to see these things and it's part of their marketing and part of their offering. So when consumers see that, consumers are more likely to A, shop with them to begin with and B, continue to shop with a brand. So I think that it's something that brands really, really need to put in at the forefront of their marketing plans and just be shouting about it. So it's interesting. You see that all of these companies, even I think IKEA is offering a recycling scheme now. And it's how they're recycling it and how they're then reusing the items to then create something else. It's not recycling with a lot of the fast fashion brands where they do offer it. We know that they offer it, but how are they then recycling it? And then a lot of the time, the items are still ending up on landfill. I find that a lot more of these these larger ticket items, so furniture, tech, all of those things, they really utilized every last section of that or segment of the product. So I'd love to see those methods applied to fashion a little bit more in order to keep those brands relevant. So for me, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think make it known and your consumer will stay with you.
2: Exactly. Like so often we walk in a shop and we never go in that shop again. Someone once said it's like a one night stand, like you buy the product, you're like, wow, see you again. Like the brand doesn't care if you send it to landfill or donate it or whatever else. But like that needs to become a relationship, a circular relationship, a lifetime of services that come with that product. It's like if you buy a Rolex, you know that you can get that Rolex approved service that's gonna make it last 20 generations, whatever it might be. So like we need to change our relationship with the products that we own and that relationship between the brands and the consumer is gonna get way more circular and going forward. There's so many more benefits of just like, how did it fit? Like, do you need like a new sole on your running shoe? There's so many elements like that that people aren't quite getting into yet just around Mm -hmm. how it can be redesigned, all of those elements. So relevance is gonna be huge going forwards and the more brands can share, the more people will connect to them. The quieter they are, the less people will trust them.
1: Definitely. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me. This has been amazing.
2: Perfect. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you so much to Connor for joining us. I was fangirling the whole time I was interviewing him because he's really, (laughs) really interesting. And he speaks so eloquently and passionately about the subject So for me, I was just sitting there because I've listened to him speak before and I've been on a panel with him and the whole panel was literally sitting here like (laughs) mouth wide open because he just came out with stuff and speaks about circularity more so in a way that I think is really refreshing. It's not so stilted. It's directed at the big brands because I think so many of us have this belief with sustainable fashion or sustainability with brands that it has to be more directed at the ethical brands and at how they're working and championing mm. them. Whereas, something that, and the reason why I thought about it and why I wanted him on was because it makes me think about what you've always said: where if a bigger brand is making that change, why can't we champion them? Why can't we encourage them to make more changes and to be better? So, mm. I'm really glad that he joined us on the podcast. So, thanks. So, now we have to go on to the Sustainably Influenced Sustainability School. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think after our discussion, I feel a little bit like, I don't know, I don't know how I feel, how sustainable I feel Gen Z's attitude mm. to shopping resale is, if that makes sense.
0: That's an interesting take. That's very much a Charlotte take. I thought so. I'm, I'm into this. Morphing into you. I'm, I'm into it.
1: <laughs> we <Okay>. are one.
0: <laughs> because secondhand shopping
1: is incredibly,
0: yeah, incredibly sustainable. Oh, mate, it's just, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> I think it's great. There's obviously, there's less negatives to secondhand shopping than any other type of shopping. But negatives to do with like, which we've discussed before, I think we discussed last week about sizing. Because there's been a real influx in, which I'm really into, in people taking things in and tailoring. So people are buying secondhand pieces that are massive and for them and then just basically using the material to do whatever they want, which yeah. is taking away from larger size people being able to actually buy in secondhand shops. And I have yeah. a lot of friends who talk about this and get really annoyed at people when they go charity shop shopping and they buy these jackets that are like five sizes too big for them. And they're like, oh, but I got it taken in. So you're taking away
1: from somebody so else. I could have
0: bought that kind of thing. So there's that. What else? Maybe we'll leave this to, to the audience. Yeah. What do we think? What would the negatives be for secondhand? It's
1: not the negatives on secondhand shopping. It's Gen Z.
0: Oh, on Gen Z, Gen Z,
1: and their kind of attitude and how they consume secondhand.
0: We have a Gen Z in the room who's suggested <laughs> <laughs> about trends. That yeah. that makes sense. That makes
1: sense. That because Gen Z are more trend led and they want to jump on every trend. Is sustainability out of necessity or is it?
0: Yeah, out of trend. And looking on social media specifically TikTok, it is very trend led. Yeah. like I have a specific girl who is like duplicated multiple times on TikTok in my mind. But that type of girl is like buying a lot of secondhand stuff every weekend. It's the same as what we would have done at Top we Shop. Bummed. Yeah. But secondhand, is that helping or not helping?
1: There's pros and cons to everything. So for me, I'm going to give their attitude and how they consume a score of five because they're still doing good. They're shopping secondhand. That's and not a score. That's middle ground. Five no, out of ten. But, but, no, yeah, five out of ten because they're buying, they're buying secondhand. They're still reselling as well. So if they're then prolonging the life cycle of a garment, for me, doing well, but the whole reason why they're doing it isn't... I feel like that's a bit of a grey area, so I don't want to be like, oh, they get a three because they're doing rubbish because they're mm. not. They're doing good things, but I think that it's just that they're not consuming because of sustainability. I think we're putting too much onus on the sustainability side of what it is that they're doing when for me i think it is more to do with finances and being trendy little things <laughs>
0: trendy little buggers. <I> <laughs> that's what i was gonna say but i was like do i want to say an actual age i'm gonna give him a six okay just because i don't like middle grounds because i feel like
1: it... <laughs> she just had a go at me and they went a six it's not much better <laughs> no
0: but at least it's like tipped over more to the positive side simply because i totally agree with you i think they don't have necessarily have all of them this is a very generalized um mm-hmm. opinion that we both have here but a lot of them don't have the planet in mind when they think about stuff it is actually trend led but at the same time if that attitude is going to help change things cuz i saw that stat which i haven't actually said yet but there was a stat that i saw oh yeah from an article from forbes Essentially says that fifty-two percent of baby boomers participated in re commerce or resale in 2019. But today, so this was a, this came out in 2022. Today, that number has jumped to an eye-opening eighty-one percent. Wow! So I imagine a lot of it's come from seeing. Like my mum didn't know what Depop was before my sister started selling on Depop. Yeah. So a lot of it's come from parents who yeah. have seen your yeah their their kids or their nieces or their grandparents uh, grandkids or whoever buying and selling and be like what's that and i think also being at home
1: over the pandemic so many people realize how much took they've really got oh my goodness so they want to sell it and they're starting to take part and it's again it's not because of necessarily sustainability or the circular economy but they're doing it because they've realized and i think older people do have this mindset where it's If it's not serving me any purpose, somebody else may want it or somebody younger Mm. starting out. I'm saying this exactly like this because I know my mum said this. Somebody younger than me starting out may need this and it may come in handy. So it's the idea of helping somebody else. But it's not because of your love for people and planet. Do you get what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) That's me just Poking holes and everything. Today. Join us on
0: Sunday as we protest against Gen Z on Depop.
1: We'll meet you at Trafalgar Square. Just us two. Just like, Me. But yeah, so that's a really, really interesting stat. Actually, I mm. think it's and it goes back to what Connor was saying. It's not necessarily generational. No. So, but I feel like Gen Z have led. Yeah. The trend. They've influenced people that have been shopping for such a long time in a specific way and in one platform, I guess, Mm. to do it in a completely different way. Yeah. And for me, by opening up the channels of shopping secondhand or resale or rental and all these other things, you're opening up the possibilities with shopping and with consuming, which is great, but also opening up people's minds to sustainable and ethical practices. Yeah. So I'm going to finish there on a positive where I'm not digging Gen Z. So I just want that to be noted.
0: <laughs> no, no, I. No, no, no. I love you
1: guys. I want to be you. <laughs> yeah, in fact. essentially, this is it. We're just jealous. That's all. We want to be you. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for joining us. And if you have any questions or anything that you want to raise with us, please feel free to message us on Instagram or TikTok, because this is a really interesting conversation for me personally. Yeah. So I would love to get into it with someone on DMs over this.
0: But in a very positive positive and friendly way. way. Please don't fire us. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Just, just, I really want to chat to someone. So please feel free to message us. So we will see you next week. Bye.